Hey everybody, welcome back to the Norwood Noise Podcast, episode 14. Here we go, nearly halfway through the second decade of this podcast here. Uh, of course, myself, Evan Shibble, alongside Graham Griffith. How are we doing, sir? Well, we're doing good. A uh, whole lot of games to get through, so let's not waste any time. Hop right into it. Sounds good, my man. Uh, yes, like Graham mentioned, a busy week, weekend of college basketball. Um, and honestly, a, a slate that I was really looking forward to, and if I'm being quite frank, kind of a disappointing fr- uh, uh, schedule, not a lot of crazy high-intensity games, until, of course, the nightcapper when I decided to go to bed before the end of Arizona State-UCLA. But we'll get to that here in just a minute. Um, but we will start off uh, last Wednesday. Marquette completed the sweep of Villanova. Um, I'll just run through these kind of quickly, but nothing crazy going on there. Um outside of the fact that this is kind of unusual for Villanova. They're not used to getting swept by a single Big East team. Uh, So for Marquette to take care of the business there um, twice uh, is is really cool. Justin Lewis has really stepped into his own. 19-9 for Marquette on that night last Wednesday. Um, And just a great all-around performance, a 10-point win there uh, for the Golden Eagles. Also on Wednesday night, uh, Illinois handled Wisconsin 80-67. to uh, Kofi Coburn, a ridiculous 37 points and 12 rebounds. I mean, what? Um, crazy to see that. Also crazy to see that that just that really is um, kind of – it looks like that's going to be Wisconsin's kryptonite this year is, is playing, you know, any kind of big man. Um, they're going to have trouble guarding that. Uh, but Johnny Davis responded with his own 22-15 and 15 in that game, even in a 13-point loss. So – Good stuff there uh, from Wisconsin. That kind of wraps up Wednesday. Graham, you got any notes on those? Uh, no, uh, not a whole lot other than the fact that this Marquette team is quite exceptional that they've already stepped into the shock smart um, mentality and system. It's uh, pretty unbelievable that they've completed a sw- season sweep on uh, Villanova in their first year as this new era. Um, but hopping right into uh, Thursday, uh, two notable games in UCLA and Arizona. Um, kind of like a just a well-balanced attack for both teams. Arizona pulls away um, after a little bit of a surge by UCLA to start the second half. Mm-hmm. They won by 10, and USC uh, goes on the road to uh, handle the struggling Arizona State Sun Devils. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, nothing really crazy there. USC takes care of Arizona State on the road. I mean, Arizona State... You know, not great so far this year. Seven and thirteen now on the year, um, but yeah, good win for Arizona. Cool to see Arizona and UCLA kind of split it home and home. Um, but yeah, Arizona ta- Arizona takes care of business there at home, uh, beating the number three UCLA Bruins by ten. Um, nothing crazy notable on Friday, so we moved to Saturday. Um, big headline from Saturday. I think I I don't know. You know, we could argue what the bigger headline is is either Kansas just destroying Baylor. Um, at Allen Fieldhouse, or um, you could also argue that Duke, you know, blowing North Carolina out in their own place uh, was also obviously very notable. And then a sneaky headline there, too. Um, Auburn getting outscored by 10 in the second half and nearly losing to 6-17 and 17 Georgia. Uh, 74-72 Auburn wins, but just squeaks one out there. Um, so, yeah, Auburn takes care of business there. Kansas wins at home. 83-59 with their high scorer, uh, Jalen Wilson, only having 15, so pretty crazy to see how well-balanced that attack was on Saturday in Ochai Abaji's return and just a great game from the Jayhawks all around. And, and I I heard Fran Frasilla say on the broadcast, and I, I couldn't agree with him more, I think this game will make or break Baylor's season. I think this will either be the start of, of some uncertainty in that program or this will be the response um, to another possibly Final Four run. So I'll be excited to see what – the Bears have coming out of that game, and for Kansas, just a big-time statement win um, and just a lot of great energy and showing that that team is is Final Four National Championship good. So good to see that, uh, especially from my perspective, obviously, as a Kansas fan. Um, but bringing it back around, uh, Gonzaga rolled BYU, wasn't even close, was never close. This was supposed to be one of the best teams that they played in conference play, and Gonzaga just absolutely destroyed BYU Uh in Provo, uh, 90-57 to win there for Gonzaga. Um, moving right along, another one that we thought might be close, Kentucky going on the road to Alabama. Again, Alabama, like we've said all year, has been volatile. They uh, Kentucky handles them 66-55, so nothing crazy there. Um, Arizona wins by nine at home against USC. Again, just taking care of business, continuing to, continue to move on. Uh, 
Azula lost to Bayless, uh, led the way for Arizona with 18-11. Good double-double there for him. Uh, Wisconsin sneaks away with a two-point win against Penn State. A little weird game there. It was 18-13 to a half. I remember, like, checking that and being like, you know, what's really going on here? Um, so definitely a strange one there, but nothing, nothing too crazy coming out of that. Wisconsin, again, getting a good win. Villanova took care of UConn by 11, 85-74. Um, Eric Dixon, 24-12. I mean, what more can you ask out of the guy? He's just a machine. Um, let's see what else we got. We've got uh, Rutgers beating Michigan State by 21 um, at home. So that that's an interesting one, uh, and we'll get to Tuesday here in a minute or, or tonight here in a minute. Um, but, yeah, so Rutgers beats Michigan State there, and then Michigan State suffers another loss tonight to Wisconsin. So a little bit of a two games to get there for Izzo's team. I don't think it's anything to panic. I think, obviously, they'll still make the NCAA tournament, um, but definitely you know need, need a little recentering there uh, for that team. Texas wins by 22 over Iowa State. Iowa State is skidding hard, um, very similar to LSU right now. Um, but I think just being in the Big 12, I think Iowa State will be just fine getting in the tournament. Illinois rolls Indiana. Um, and then Vanderbilt upsets LSU. And LSU is one we got to talk about. We'll get to a bu- little bit of a bubble talk later, uh, Graham. But LSU is definitely one to keep an eye on there. And then arguably, we'll wrap it up with maybe the biggest headline, Duke, North Carolina. What do you take from that, Graham? I mean, a 20-point win for Duke. What do you think? Um... The, my main uh, point that I have to add is that at the start of the season, uh, the, the hype was all about Paulo and what he can bring to the team. But uh, in the past, like, I'd say maybe five or six conference games that I've been able to see um, box scores and catching glimpse of the Duke games is they are a very balanced scoring attack, um, which is very scary come tournament time um, because it isn't like for some schools – that when you have a balanced attack that you don't know where you're getting your points from. Right. It's just who's going to be your leading scorer. Uh, in this game, you know, Wendell Moore had a very efficient night um, with 13 and 8 and 5, and A.J. Griffin was the main storyline, almost getting 30 against North Carolina. And, of course, Paulo with a somewhat slow night, but he still gave you a double-double. I think that this uh, Duke team is um, – I until uh, that – Pretty poor loss against Virginia. Um, Which we'll get to in just a moment, but yes. I felt like the Duke was kind of getting uh, written off just because of, you know, being in the ACC, not having that many storyline-type um, games. But I really like this Duke team and how balanced the scoring attack is, and not to mention that um, Coach K is really drilling, you know, the defense and the togetherness of this team. I think this is one of the better Duke teams that he's had in a while. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Duke, very, very solid performances all the way through. Um, and, again, it just a, a really a, a statement win there for Duke going on the road to what a lot thought could be maybe a difficult game. North Carolina might be playing with a little bit different passion, um, having that be the final game for Coach K there. But, I mean, just no doubt about it from the from the start. I mean, it was – I think it was uh, – gosh, I'm going to see if I can find the score. There, It was one point early. I think it was 19 to – Five or nineteen to seven. I mean, it was early on. Let's see if we can get a. Yeah, here we go. Um, yeah, it was nineteen to five at one point. Um, or sorry, twenty, thirty-one to eight. I mean, it was just it was over from the start. You mm-hmm. know, about halfway through the first half, so you kind of knew um, that was it. But again, of course, we all tuned in because it is Duke North Carolina. Alrighty, moving on. Uh, Sunday was. <laughs> From a college basketball scheduling perspective, I cannot believe that the first weekend you have all season where you're not competing with the NFL and you schedule zero notable games. I mean, I was kind of shocked that that even going back, you know, months, you didn't think, oh, maybe we'll throw a, a good game on here. <laughs> um, but no, just a 15-point handling of Maryland for Ohio State. Uh, Providence, a nearly 20-point win over a struggling Georgetown team, 0-10 in the Big East now, and uh, Houston rolling uh, UC just across the pond here. So nothing crazy there, um, everything pretty chalk. But Monday night was uh, a little bit of an upset central, something I don't think any of us really expected. 
Virginia, um, obviously, uh, headlining the night, 69-68 over Duke with a late three with just under a second to go. That was fun to watch. I wasn't really – I didn't honestly watch the whole game. I watched the tail end of it just because I was waiting for the Kansas-Texas game to start. Um, but crazy finish there. Graham, any notes on that uh, coming off you talking so highly about the Blue Devils? Um, yeah, I, I guess I was just immediately eating my words <laughs> after. I was very um, intrigued by that – North Carolina win, um, but even with Virginia's struggles this year, I think when you have that, um, you know, Bennett coach Virginia team and it's a big game that you can't always write off um, Virginia. Um, I think this game says more about Virginia than it does about Duke. That they, no matter how poor that they're playing, you still can never write them off. I think Duke was just an off night. Um, for them, uh, you know, didn't handle the ball as usually, as well as they usually do, mm-hmm. and um, you know, Virginia was just playing. I felt uh, a little bit harder. You know, only five turnovers. Um, I felt like they were forcing some shots that Duke wasn't comfortable with, regardless of making them or not. Um, I was pleased to see the end of that. You know, it was a traumatic ending for Cavaliers fans. I'm, I'm sure they were very pleased. Um, you know, after the season with not many things to ride home about. Right. Um, but, I mean, Duke, I mean, I feel like if you're playing an inferior team and they shoot 16% from three, you should probably be taking advantage of that. I don't think it's any time to panic for Duke. No. Uh, this is just not. a loss that, you know, this happens in conference play when you play a tough team. Um, but not a whole lot to add. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, 15 turnovers on the night kind of tells a story for Duke. Um but yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy out there, and I would agree. Not, not, no reason to panic for Duke fans. You're gonna be just fine. Um, I think more than anything, though, interesting storyline to follow. Virginia, I mean, not out of the NCAA tournament now with that win. So that's a big win for them. Speaking of big wins, Texas gets a must, must win. They needed this win to stay in the conversation for you know top 25. You know, really solid Big 12 team. I mean, this is a. I would say this is like a seed line boost game. This is, you know, say you got you got them on the five or the six line, they're gonna jump up um, a line on that on that uh, spread there for, um, you know, come come tournament time. So big win at home against Kansas, 79-76. Um, I heard of a lot of, from myself included, if I'm being honest, lots of complaints about the officiating in this game. Honestly, Kansas did nothing to deserve that uh, win down the stretch. The last 90 seconds, uh, they missed five free throws, turned the ball over twice. Like, it's just things like that. Like, you can complain about the officiating all you want. Kansas didn't execute down the stretch, and that's the unfortunate part. Especially seeing how they've how well they've executed down the stretch in, in previous games, previous close games. Um, tough to see that one on the road, but, again, not, not a bad loss on the resume by any means. Jalen Wilson, 18-11, and 11, um, leading the way. Ochai Abaji was pretty shut down in the second half, uh, only finished with 10, so nothing too crazy out of him. Um... Yeah, I, I just don't have too much more to add. I think it's it's not a terrible loss. You're still one game up on on everyone in uh in the conference standing, so still a good shot at winning the Big Twelve. I think it would have been nice to get that win against Texas. You know, you could have maybe pretty close to wrapped up the Big Twelve at that point. Um, but at home against Oklahoma and at home against Oklahoma State are the next two for Kansas. So should be two, you know, good statement wins if they can uh, take care of business there. And then you kind of roll into the end of conference schedule. So nothing nothing to panic about. Yeah. I don't know if this game is more about Texas playing hard, wanting the win, right. or Kansas being sloppy. But at the end of the day, Kansas had uh, surrendered, you know, 24 points on 15 of their own turnovers. Yeah. And then to add insult to injury, I mean, Texas did not play that well of an offensive game. But, you know, they made their free throws when they, when they needed to. 15 offensive rebounds for 13 second-chance points. Um, I think that Texas, I, if I had to make a decision and say this mattered more for the, uh, the Longhorns and playing a little bit harder, uh, but you don't want uh, your Jayhawks to get a little bit lax towards the end of the season when these games are starting to count more and more for seeding. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know that's the those are you know those games coming down the stretch are the ones that are difference between the two, three, and four line. So I think if you're Kansas, obviously being closer to that two line would be preferable, obviously. Um, all righty, moving into Tuesday, um, an eventful night. I was really excited for the lineup tonight. Um, Kentucky, South Carolina was close early, but Kentucky ended up taking care of business, getting a good 10-point win there, 86-76 on the road at South Carolina. 
Wisconsin winning by eight at Michigan State takes care of business there. Um, again, like like I said earlier, two game skip for the Spartans. So we'll see how they respond to this. Um, and Johnny Davis just continues to be impressive. Twenty five points again tonight for the Badgers. Uh, UConn at home in the XL Center, eighty to seventy two over Marquette, a good Marquette team. And UConn, UConn, a really good. Um, a really good win there for them um, coming to uh, Cincinnati on Friday uh, for a tough game against Xavier Musketeers and an always rocking Centos Center. So we'll get to that preview later. Um, but again, I just think a really solid win for UConn, much needed. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they almost they almost let it let it slide there. They were uh, up 10 at half and, and Marquette came storming back. So good to see some fight out of Shaka Smart's team there, but but nothing too um, out of the ordinary. And then the big headliner so far, um, Arkansas at home against Auburn. You, you, I mean, I'm not going to say you would, you should have known that this was going to be an upset, um, but Arkansas kind of has a tendency for these things. Their Bud Walton Arena was packed. You knew it was going to be loud. Auburn was, after, after you know, getting by by the, you know, their skin on their teeth on Saturday, you kind of thought Auburn was due um, for a loss. And, and this is not a bad one by any means. Um, I still think Arkansas is a tournament team. I wouldn't say they're the best team, um, at, you know, coming out of the SEC or or, any, or even like a top three or four team coming out of the SEC. I, I but I do still think they're a solid team. Um, but yeah, so I, I do think Arkansas like they'll make the NCAA tournament just fine. So not a bad loss for Auburn on the road. Um, but I mean, just a crazy scene. Like it was one of the best court storms I think I've seen all year. So that was awesome to see. Uh, for the Razorbacks. And then to wrap up the night, uh, Purdue just finished up taking care of Illinois at home. 84-68, Jay Nivey with 26. I mean, that he's just so athletic. Yeah. It's unbelievable to watch. So, And then the nightcappers, uh, an interesting one to keep your eye on here uh, as you go to bed here, especially you East Coasters. It is nearly midnight, not even halftime yet. But St. Mary's, Santa Clara, 27-29. Santa Clara, if they get this win, could really increase that conversation for a five-bid WCC. Yeah, I um, was. That's the game that I circled tonight. Um, see St. Mary's at Santa Clara. Um, I think St. Mary's with a win uh, on the road against a pretty solid Santa Clara team sets them up well. You know they have the Gonzaga game coming up very soon. Um, it would be nice to have some momentum because that's a huge game for St. Mary Gales fans. And then to add on, I think Santa Clara, if they were able to get this win. Um, kind of cements them uh, into the inside of the bubble. Uh, and hopefully that they can um, get some good solid wins. I'd love to see uh, some of these smaller conferences sending more teams than usual this year. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And that's that kind of segues us into our next piece. Um, so we're going to run over. I, I've got a little a little bit here. I want to do an over-under. Um, so I'll, get, I'll give you some numbers. And I want to hear over-under how many um, – teams you think will make the tournament from each uh, conference here. So this is like a little kind of a bubble watch bit, um, like we were mentioning earlier with um, with uh, LSU, definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, so we'll get started here. Graham, I'll, I'll post the number and then you let me know. Big 12, start me off here, Big 12. I'll give you over under six and a half. What do you think? Hmm. Uh, with the Big 12, I mean, it's been a talk all year about uh, the, the amount of teams that have just been so solid. Um, I mean, even, you know, the, what would be deemed the slouches uh, right. uh, at the end of the, the table are, I mean, very solid teams. Like, for example, I mean, I see the Oklahoma and West Virginia struggling conference play along with Iowa State. Iowa State has been a top 25 team. Um, as high as eight this year, um, but I when I when I look at it top to bottom, I think that Kansas and Baylor uh, and Texas are definitely locks um, for sure. Um, so there's my three. I think Texas Tech um, is an implode away from not making it, but I just feel like their resume is just so strong that uh, you can put them in as a lock as well. Um, I think that Iowa State, while they have struggled, um, I just can't see the committee like turning down the, their like start. So I'll put them at five. Um, but then after that, I don't really see a convincing team um, 
that you know is a guarantee you know yeah. to send them in um, you know when you have you know the teams like Oklahoma um, even West Virginia TCU that have had good seasons uh, they're definitely cause for consideration put them in around those 11 seeds um, but I just feel like there's more teams that are deserving of it so I'll lock them in around five uh, teams that Big 12 is going to send Gotcha. Okay, so you don't think so? TCU and Oklahoma are out for you. Um, well, I don't think they're out. I just think it's unlikely. I think it's yeah. more pop. Uh, it's more probable that uh, Big Twelve sends five schools this year. Gotcha. Okay, so you're gonna go under there. Let's go Big Ten again. Also six and a half. Um. So for the Big Ten. Uh, so you got, you, got, think, you, got, you got your locks. You're going Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then I also uh, lock in Ohio State. Okay, four. Um, Michigan State. And Michigan State. Five. Okay. And then uh, I think the weird thing about the Big Ten this year is that the, it's very top-heavy. Yeah, I agree. And there's some bottom feeders. I mean, uh, I think Maryland, Minnesota, and Nebraska have struggled tremendously. Yeah, they're all Michigan, out. Michigan did not handle business at all during non-conference play, neither did Iowa. Uh, Penn State has struggled. I feel like they've just stuck by some wins against these bottom feeder teams, which leaves me with uh, Northwestern, Rutgers, Indiana, and Michigan. Um, I think that Indiana is a tournament team, and uh, Six. I could see uh, a Rutgers team making a run in the Big Ten tournament uh, that could secure some very strong wins for them. Um, I feel comfortable saying that uh, the Big Ten will send seven teams this year. Sounds good. Yeah, I agree. I think Rutgers. I also think. I mean, I kind of we were talking about this earlier, but you know, you're looking at the the possibility of bid stealers and teams that can get hot in conference tournaments. We had a lot of those last year uh, with Georgetown, um, Oregon State, teams like that that got hot and won their conference tournament. Uh, I think Michigan could do that this year. I really do. Obviously, they lost a, a lot last year. They lost a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with Jawan Howard's coaching and if Hunter Dickinson can get hot at the right time. Michigan could be a force to reckon with come that Big Ten tournament, so I, I could definitely see them being a bit sealer and pushing it to seven or eight teams. Um, and especially with how their games have been going as of late. Yeah, I mean, close with Purdue on Saturday. Yeah, with Juwan Howard, I feel like he might be able to present the opportunity and say, like, look, guys, we've struggled, we haven't done well, but when you look at uh, where we're headed, I mean, you're in Indianapolis, it's a neutral site game for every single team. I mean, you have the opportunity to either end your rival's hopes right. or getting the top seed or even making the tournament. Mm-hmm. And then once you win one or two, it's like you got to win the whole thing. And exactly. I feel like uh, Michigan has the tools to do that. They've just underperformed this year. So I, I wouldn't count them out. Um, I feel like it's unlikely that Rutgers and Michigan both make it, so I won't go up to eight, but I could definitely see seven for Big Ten. Gotcha. Um, all righty, next up we'll go SEC. That's another big uh, big number uh, conference right now. Let's go – we'll go six and a half again there. That's could be a lot, but – Okay, so uh, for the SEC um, – So lot, locks are Kentucky, Auburn. Uh, yeah, I would say Kentucky, Auburn, and Arkansas. Okay. Um, I would then add – After Alabama. the win tonight, you'd say Arkansas, right? Yes, that definitely helps. Okay, and you'd say Alabama's a lock? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's I'm four. very confident in saying that the committee's going to look at a, uh, the whole body of work for Alabama. While they've yeah. struggled, they have some pretty bad losses. You have to see the whole body of work. And right. I feel like the committee does a good job about that. Um, I think Alabama's a lock. I would also add Tennessee okay, that's five. into there. And then I think uh, that they'll – the committee's going to favor um, the SEC this year. With uh, my five locks right there, I could definitely see um, uh, an LSU sneaking in once they clear things up. Um, I also would not be surprised with um, uh, Mississippi State sneaking in there. Yeah, Mississippi State's had some good wins this year. Yeah, they've had some great wins. Um, they've hung around in many of their games. That's seven. And then I also, you know, I see Florida and Texas A&M. I mean, two schools that did really well in non-conference play, um, you know, have contended with some of the top teams, except for, like, when you play, you know, like Auburn. But, I mean, the Kentucky-Texas A&M game was unbelievable for Texas A&M. I feel like they've done a great job. But this is another one where, with the Rutgers and Michigan where I just don't know if they'll send both teams. 
Um, at the end of the day, I think they'll send Texas A&M, which would put me at um, eight yeah, schools yeah, for SEC. Gotcha. So we're going over there. Um, Big East next up. Let's go over under five and a half. I think this is a pretty easy one, personally. I think you got six locks here in the Big East. Villanova and Providence, obviously the top two. Um, I think UConn's a lock. Xavier should be a lock, to barring anything crazy. Um, Marquette, same way. And I would say Seton Hall is pretty close to a lock. Um, I, I think, you know, you get one more signature victory in there for the Hall, and I think you're in. Uh, well, but I would I, also say that Cray- I think Creighton's out. I, I am not um, as sure with the Big East this year. I was extremely high. You know, that we were going to send seven teams, maybe even eight, with a bid stealer. Um, my locks were definitely uh, Providence, Villanova, Marquette, and Connecticut. Uh, with the way that Xavier's been playing, it hurts to say that if they don't clean things up, this could definitely be a late-season implode. No, I agree. Um, but, I mean, with the realism, not being pessimistic about how we've been playing, I feel like Xavier's a lock. I'll send in uh, five teams. And then uh, towards the end of the year, when you know these games start to matter a little bit more, and then you get to Madison Square Garden, I think we're going to send um, two teams out of Creighton, Saint Hall, Seton Hall, and Saint John's. I think it's uh, most likely to see uh, Seton Hall and Creighton, um, but I would not be surprised if Saint John's was able to get in there. Yep. Um, and then the bottom is in Butler, DePaul, and Georgetown. I, I was a little bit. Um, on, on the fence about maybe a Butler or DePaul cleaning things up towards the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, DePaul, I, DePaul had a really good non-conference. I agree. Um, they were one of the top teams in the country in terms of... Took care of, of Louisville, which isn't yeah. all that anymore, but still, I mean, they, good they, they, they did a great job um, at the start of the season. Get to Big East play. They struggle, but, I mean, they've played with multiple teams. Um, I mean... Two and nine, and while it doesn't look that good, I mean, when you look at the whole Big East and how many teams you have to play right. night in and night out, um, I'm comfortable with saying that the Big East is going to send uh, seven teams this year, okay. uh, with my over. five locks being UConn, Marquette, Nova, Providence, and Xavier. And then I wouldn't be surprised um, if DePaul was able to, you know, get a late surge, maybe steal a game. But even if DePaul doesn't, like, win the whole thing, if they are, like, exposing a a Creighton, a St. Hall, a St. John's, that knocks them out of contention. I think Butler and DePaul and Georgetown, I mean, their opportunities to just kind of spoil it for my three wild cards. Uh, But final answer was seven. Gotcha. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think think six for sure, seven is a a good shout with um, Creighton in the conversation there. ACC, um, this is one that I – so we'll go over under four and a half. I am going to just say under without even looking at it. Um, Duke's obviously in. I think Wake Forest should be in. Um, I'd give Notre Dame a pretty good shout, and I'd say Miami. I don't think North Carolina is going to make the tournament, personally. Um, just with after getting absolutely rolled by Duke, which isn't like in the long run isn't going to totally hurt you, um, but they just played a close one with Clemson tonight. Like I just think they're very susceptible uh, to some late-season losses here. I think North Carolina is going to fall out of the tournament, um, and I think it'll be four for the ACC. Graham, what do you think? Uh, I'm definitely taking the under. I just think that ACC didn't do a well enough job in non-conference. They didn't build their resumes. So these wins that, you know, these um, non-Duke top teams like Virginia, Florida State, North Carolina, Miami, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, their wins don't really hold as much as these other conferences do um, based on the resumes. I think that Duke is definitely um, a no question at this point in the season. Um, And then I think it's just going to be how the rest of the season pans out between uh, I'll even go as low as the seventh seed in the ACC, Florida State, all the way to Notre Dame. I think the rest of the season is very important um, for Notre Dame, Wake Forest, Miami, North Carolina, Virginia, and Florida State. I feel like whoever does the best out of that – Group of six, I think they'll send two teams. Um, most likely, if I had to pick, I'd say Notre Dame and Wake Forest. Um, but I could, I mean, I could see all seven of those top teams uh, sneaking in there uh, at any point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then now to wrap it up, let's go out west. Um, we've got 
based on it, we've we've referenced or we've looked at quite a few um, bracket projections as you do, but but just for reference, Joe Lunardi, ESPN's bracketologist, um, he has for the West conferences, he's got West Coast Conference, Mountain West, and Pac-12 all tied at four. Um, here's the thing, Pac-12-wise, I'm not sold on Oregon. Now, will the committee put in Oregon? Probably, unless they have anything crazy happen. But personally, I'm not sold on Oregon. I think Arizona, UCLA, and USC are all in. Oregon is on the outside looking in. They're 14 and seven as of now. Uh, eight and three in the net, or eight and three in the conference. Uh, ranked 49th in the net with a, with 53rd uh, with the 53rd ranked strength schedule in the country. So not a great strength schedule. Um, playing it close with Baylor was a, was good early on, um, but I just. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think – I think if Oregon loses a, a tough one down the stretch, I think they're in a lot, a lot, a lot of trouble. Um, I agree. I think that four is a perfect number for the Pac-12. Um, between Arizona, UCLA, and USC, I think that's a even three. Um, and then I look at the, the rest of the Pac-12. I mean, there are some bottom, bottom feeders this year. Yeah. Um, you know, Stanford, Colorado, and Washington are, like, the teams that, like, you look to get wins against. Right. You know, those mid-table teams, that's, like, it's supposed to be an impressive win. But, I mean, they've, they'll compete with you one night, and then, you know, they'll go on and uh, just completely implode against whoever they're playing in the following game. Right. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Oregon this year. Um, I've been saying it from the start. I think that they're just well-balanced, well-coached. Uh, they can compete with anyone on any given night. Um, it just depends on, you know, the the atmosphere and how they're playing. I really like Oregon. Uh, Wazoo, Washington State um, is just another team that they've just competed and they've stolen some uh, key wins. I could see them, you know, cleaning things up towards the end of the year, maybe making a run in the tournament. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't think that there's two teams that are going to be clear um, to cut it out to make it five. I definitely don't see uh, six happening. I think four is a perfect number. I think between, um, I'll even go as low as Stanford. Stanford, Washington, Washington State, and Oregon. I think one of those teams is going to be a clear uh, number four, number three uh, out of the Pac-12 this year. Gotcha. Um, and then wrapping up, let's go uh, WCC Mountain West. We'll go WCC first. Obviously, Gonzaga's a lock. I would say St. Mary's, like we discussed earlier, probably a lock, especially with the win tonight against Santa Clara. I, I mean, I, I think you look at that, that conference standings, I mean, that's tough. I think San Francisco is darn near a lock, um, barring anything crazy happen down the stretch. Then, it's, then I think at that point for the WCC, it's either Santa Clara or BYU. BYU's got to clean it up, man. They're, they're falling apart a little bit down the stretch here. Five and five uh, in the WCC so far um, with some not great losses. Uh, losses to at Pacific – at Santa Clara, which isn't the worst loss, um, and then yeah, I mean San Francisco and Gonzaga, so those aren't those aren't too bad, or Gonzaga twice, um, but yeah, I think at Pacific and at Santa Clara, not ideal losses there for BYU. Um, they've got to kill it down the stretch. I mean, I think they got to go on the road and win at uh, St. Mary's, ideally, if they really want to make their case. Uh, but I do think Santa Clara is a good shout, especially with the win tonight against St. Mary's. Um, give you a quick score update on that. Um, it is 35-34 at halftime. So, yeah, Santa Clara Broncos, if you guys go get a win tonight, I think you can almost comfortably say you're you're really solidly, you know, a foot and a half in the door uh, into the NCAA tournament. Um, and then to go back to touch on Mountain West, I, I mean, I would say, you know, I think it's one of those things where your top teams are almost beating each other up too much. Um, I think Wyoming – or, well – I think Wyoming and Boise State are almost solidly in. I think based on the earlier earlier part of the season, I think Colorado State is pretty solidly in. And then it's kind of San Diego State, Fresno State, I think either of those teams. And then the Utah State Aggies, man, are not completely out of it either. Um, they had some good early season wins, beating Oklahoma, um, just narrowly losing to St. Mary's. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's some some good games on the schedule there uh, for Utah State. Uh, they won five in a row before losing um, in overtime to Wyoming. 
so that I mean that's a, that's a tough loss there. That was tonight. Um, so yeah, a, a tough loss there for um, Utah State. That could have been a big statement win, but I think that just kind of further proves uh, that Wyoming will be in the NCAA tournament. But yeah, so I would say uh, four right on the number there as well. Um, Graham, you want to wrap up the West Coast for us? Uh, yeah, uh, West Coast Conference. Um, I just think that you know the bottom half is so weak that the Santa Clara, San Francisco, Brigham Youngs of the world, um, they just don't have the quality enough resume to take out the Rutgers, the Indianas, the um, Texas A&Ms, these teams that we've talked right. about that have been on the fringe. You know, when, sure, you can make the argument that you send four teams like Santa Clara, Brigham Young, whoever it ends up being, but then when you have to compare them to these uh, power five, power six schools right. and their resumes and where they have to play, I mean, like, for example, like, Indiana has to go play, um, like, their, like, layup games are, like, a tough Michigan State, or not layup, but, like, their middle-of-the-road games are Michigan State, Michigan, um, whatever it ends up being, but then... BYU, Santa Clara, I mean, they have to go on the road to play Pepperdine. Right. And Portland and Pacific, teams that have been historically struggling in the past few years. Um, I really think that when it comes down to, you know, overbidding some of these big conferences this year, which I definitely see happening um, with how competitive uh, the four main conferences have been this year. I mean, Pac-12 and ACC, I won't even include them in that. Um, I think the West Coast Conference sends three, and I think it's going to be Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and San Francisco. Um, and then out in the Mountain West, um, I think that, you know, there's a little bit more debate. I think that the Mountain West has a higher chance of sending four than the West Coast Conference does, in my opinion. I think Boise State is just very good and not being talked about enough. They have the sixth best defense in the country, according to Ken Palm. You don't want to see that in the tournament. Yeah, I think totally. the committee will respect that. I think Colorado State did such a good job at the start of the year that they're going to look at that. They've had some tough losses, especially that San Diego State loss that's going to haunt them forever. I agree. Um, but I still think that um, that it isn't a cause for concern for Colorado State. Wyoming's picked it up at the end of the year. Uh, I mean, they're uh, almost a top 25 team if you know some of these – the 18 to 25 C's start to lose. Um, so I have Colorado State, Wyoming by Boise State. And, you know, with Utah State, Fresno State, and San Diego State, you know, stealing some wins, being solid, metric-loving um, teams, this at the end of the season they could, you know, take out a Boise State, a Wyoming, Colorado State level of the playing field going into the tournament and steal a bit or two. Uh, I think the Mountain West won't go past five, but I could definitely see um, four teams from the Mountain West in this gotcha. year's tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't like like what you're saying there. Like what you're saying there. Um, all right, are you ready for some little little trivia action? I sure am. Yeah, you sounded excited about your question. You want to go first, or would you like me to? Uh, you, I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. okay. Um. All right. I'm just pulling her up. Okay. Winning the March Madness is one of the toughest feats that a school can do. Right. Um, but there have been a few schools that have won it back-to-back. -back. Um, okay. Most common in the early days, uh, you know, Oklahoma State in 1945, San Francisco in 55, Cincinnati in the 60s, and there's been some, you know, uh, sprinkled throughout. But what is the most recent back-to-back -back NCAA champion? Okay. Um, I'm like 99% sure that Florida did it in 0506. But I don't know if that... Because mm, um, I, I, I know Villanova won... North Carolina won two at one point, but I think it was split by a year. I think it was like 10 and 12 or something like that, or 11 and 13. Well, no, it wasn't 13 because Louisville won 13. Um, no, they didn't. What? Doesn't count. 
Oh, yeah. No one won that year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. For no- well, Michigan no, Michigan was, won that year. They're the runner-ups. They're the runner-ups. To nobody. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point. Um, I'm trying to think. It, no, because North Carolina won in 09. I, I know they won in 09. It was in Detroit. Um, I, but I don't think they won it in 2010. Because 2010 was Indianapolis, that was Duke. And I think North Carolina won in 11. But I know that Florida won back-to-back, I'm pretty sure, 05-06. Or 06-07. I think it's 05-06, though. So let's go Florida. 2005-2006. Billy Donovan, lock it in. All right. Evan, you'll be pleased to hear that you're correct. Sweet. In this mode of trivia on Jeopardy, they would not have given it to you. Oh, because the year was wrong. Six. It was a 0607. <laughs> it was 0607. Okay. But a uh, fair win nonetheless. All right, all right. I got a good one for you. So, yeah, okay. So, I just want to make sure I was reading this right. Are you familiar, sir, with the Mountain Wet or bleh, the Missouri Valley Conference? Um, would you say you know the teams fairly well? Do you, do you want I, me to I, read them off? I, I would. Much appreciate a okay. quick little read-off. Okay. All right, quick little read-off. This is as of current standings right now in the Missouri Valley. This has nothing to do with the question, but just, just to let you know what order I'm reading these in. We've got Chicago, uh, Little Chicago. Mm-hmm. Obviously, no longer after this year, they will be a part of the A-10. Northern Iowa, University of Northern Iowa, uh, will always, forever haunt my Jayhawk dreams. <laughs> the Drake Bulldogs, uh, how, hailing out of Des Moines, Iowa. Missouri State from lovely Springfield, Missouri. Or no, that's <laughs> Joplin. No, Springfield. I was right the first time. Um, the Bradley Braves from beautiful Peoria, Illinois. Southern Illinois from I have no idea where, Illinois. South. South, yeah. Whatever's down there. Valparaiso. I think they're like northwest Indiana, right? Pretty sure. Valparaiso, Indiana. Yeah, yeah, close to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Illinois State. Don't know about that one either, but the Redbirds. We've got Indiana State and Terre Haute, Indiana. I only know that one because the Larry Hick from Bird, French Lake. The Hick from French Lake, exactly. Uh, Indiana State, the Sycamores, great, great logo, by the way. Mm-hmm. And the Evansville Aces from Evansville, Indiana. So that's your Missouri Valley Conference. Of those teams, which of those teams is the winningest program in Missouri Valley Conference history? Okay. Uh, gut feeling immediately goes to Valparaiso. They've had multiple tournament teams. Um, I also respect Northern Iowa, but I'm like, well, maybe it's just recently. Um, is it most wins in the Missouri Valley? The winningest program, so winning percentage. In the Missouri Valley or just ever? In the Missouri Valley. Okay. It's like has Loyola Chicago been there since it's, like it's the in 60s? their time in the in the Missouri Valley. Um, I will let you know what year they came in. Loyola Chicago joins Missouri Valley. Um, twenty thirteen. So it is winning percentage. Hmm. But they joined in twenty thirteen. But I mean, all right. Not to give away to you, but Loyola Chicago was bad. Right when they joined the the okay. uh, I will uh, proudly go with Valparaiso. That is incorrect. If it's Northern Iowa, it is not Northern Iowa. Okay. Whoa. Where are we headed then? Any idea? Any any just random guess? I'll give you I'll give you one more one more hint. Early thousands, they were very good. Like. Really good for a couple of years. Like I think they were. A... Hmm. Let's see. Let me see if I can get you a, a seed. I think they were. They were pretty high one year. Um. Oh. Yeah. Nine. Bradley. Nine, yeah, Bradley. Nine NCAA tournaments, two Final Fours, two national championship games. When would they have made the Final Four? 1935? No, I don't think it was that long ago. Um, Bradley, final, 70s. final fours. 1950, 1954. So not... The NCAA tournament was a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then Sweet 16 and 06 is what I was after. They were they had yeah. a couple deep tournament runs yeah. in the early thousands. 
No, as soon as you gave me early 2000s, that's when it hit me. So, yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, the Bradley Braves playing in Carver Arena. <laughs> you know, well, now that I'm thinking about it, mm-hmm. Bradley had uh, Danny Granger. Yes. Danny Granger. That dude was so good. <laughs> that guy could shoot it. All righty. Let's get to some picks here, shall we? Let's let's wrap this thing up. We're it's past midnight here, local time. So okay. let's let's wrap this thing up. All right, picks. Uh we got three games, as always, on tap for uh Wednesday night that we've got lines for. Um, and then we'll go, of course, with the Super Bowl. We did not have a good game last week to pick. Um so we <laughs> so we kind of skipped out on the on the extra one, but we will get back to it. We'll go Super Bowl this weekend. Um point being that, let's start let's start here. Ohio State going on the road to Jersey Mike's Arena. Rutgers, Ohio State, minus three. Um, I think Rutgers is going to be looking for some momentum, and they're going to come out uh, very strong. Um, I think that they will cover, though. I think this is going to be a uh, Michi Bad News Johnson game winner again. I'll take Ohio State by one. Okay, okay. Ohio State by one there. Um, I... Disagree with you. I'm gonna think Rutgers continues to roll and gets a little something rolling here. So I'm gonna go. I'll take. I'll take Rutgers uh, to win the and plus the points. Another interesting one. Baylor coming off an awful loss this weekend. Will they be fiery or will they still be sluggish? Going on the road to a semi-dangerous Kansas State team in Bramblage Coliseum. Baylor minus six. Um, I think that uh, Kansas State after. That terrible performance when they played Baylor earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. They're coming off t- uh, two close wins um, against t- at TCU and Oklahoma State. Big win against TCU there to keep tournament hopes yeah. even somewhat alive Huge. for that Kansas State. Um, I can say with confidence that I think Kansas State is going to come out very strong um, in this game. I think Baylor's longevity is going to be the one uh, that eventually gets them to win. Um, but I feel like six is a little high. I, I, I see uh, Baylor winning by one or two possessions, but not six points. Gotcha. All righty. So we'll take Baylor by K-State on the line. Um, I disagree with you. I think Baylor's going to come out hot after, after the way they played against Kansas. Um, I know Kansas State fans want to keep that hope alive, but I, I just think this Baylor team's too good, and they're not going to play back-to-back games uh, in the state of Kansas like they did on, <laughs> on Saturday. So I'll take Baylor. Uh, with the, I'll take Baylor to cover the six. And then the nightcapper, nine o'clock, newly ranked top 10 Texas Tech, number nine Texas Tech, going on the road to Oklahoma to the Lloyd Noble Center, Texas Tech minus three. Graham, what do you got? Um, I think Oklahoma's desperate, uh, need for a win, and I think their older guys are going to want to, you know, get things going. But I think that will be their undoing. I think Texas Tech is a very disciplined team. Um, they play very hard going on the road. Um, you know, they're riding the momentum, trying to secure a little bit of a higher seed. I know that's been in talks for the Big 12 top dogs. I think Texas Tech wins um, by almost double digits. I can see them win by eight or nine. Gotcha. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think Texas Tech wins and covers the points. I'm not going to say 10, but I'd say five or six. Pretty comfortable win, though, for Texas Tech fans. All righty, and then the Super Bowl, the big one over the weekend. Obviously, Cincinnati is going to be popping on Sunday. Excited to see that. Um, Graham, any plans for the for the Super Bowl? Uh, no, I don't have any quite yet. Um, I'm still trying to decide on who I should root for. You know, okay. I'm looking for Stafford to get a win. Uh, I do support him, but I, you know, I would love to see Cincinnati. You know, have a little bit of more fun around here. I do like Joe Burrow. I'm a big fan of his. But at the same time, being in my rival division as a Steelers fan, I just hate to see the Bengals doing well. <laughs> I'm very conflicted. I'm just hoping for a good game. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I like again. Would love to see the Bengals win. Uh, would love to see it for Joe Burrow and and for that team and for that franchise that's been waiting so long. Um, and I'd love to see it for the city. The city has seemed to really rally around it. It's been really cool to be a part of. I, I will say though, I do think I think the Bengals have more years of this to come. Um, where I don't know how the Rams' salary cap situation is going to look after this year with all their kind of one-year players that they're signing. <laughs> um, so I would love to see Stafford get it done while he has the opportunity. And I, I don't think anyone could be that upset about seeing Matt Stafford lift a, lift a Lombardi. So um, I would agree. I think I think Rams is slightly who I'm pulling for. But, again, I'm the same boat as you. Just want to see a good game. 
Alrighty, so the spread is uh, going into Sunday. Los Angeles minus four and a half. What do you think? Um, well, I really, 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 really want to pick the Rams. <laughs> I think that they have a better offense. I, I, I think that's like the only thing that you can debate, but I still think they have a better offense. They have a way better defense. They have talent and vets all the way around. Um, you know, they're thirsty for a win. You know, that would be such a big win for Los Angeles football um, to kind of return to, like, what it should be. Um, I mean, they have that amazing stadium. It's such a big population, you know, to have a good team around that I think that they're desperate for a win to immerse themselves as one of the top franchises in the NFL. Um, I think that the Rams have been playing so well. Stafford's been unbelievable in the playoffs. Dynamic offenses all around. But every single time you count out Joe Burrow and this Bengals team, they, they've just proved me wrong. Um, I, I believe that it's going to be a very high-scoring game. I think that um, the Bengals... Yeah, I mean, the, the over-under is 48 and a half. Yeah, I think that the Bengals are not going to show a lot of resistance for that dynamic offense. Um, and I think that uh, it's going it's, – I think my prediction is going to be a higher-scoring first half. You know, these Bengals games have been kind of slow to start, and then, you know, Joe kind of brings the guys back. But I could see, these, um, you know, Joe, like, kind of having to, you know, start off strong, be a high-scoring first half, and then it's a battle of, you know, game management, um, which I think that Joe Burrow can win this game. I could see Joe uh, and the guys winning um, by a field goal. I think my boy McPherson hits one final game to send him off. I love it. I mean, I think that'd be that'd be really cool to see and cool to see him like that. Um, I'm gonna go contrary to you. I think I think the Rams are gonna win this game. I will take the Rams though. I'll take the Bengals though plus the points. I think it's gonna be a field goal game. I think the Rams will win though. Um, with yeah, with like a late late score. Um, I don't think I don't want to say a last like a time expires. Field goal, but I think a late score, and then the and then Joe Burrow just not not enough time left on the clock for him. No no thirteen second magic out here for the Rams or for the Bengals, <laughs> unfortunately. All right, Graham, you want to kick us off? Let's let's get out of here. Let's wrap it up with this Musketeer minute. Hit us. Um, I think that you know everyone saw the Butler game, how we were dominating, kind of imploded towards the end, and the DePaul game was just a mess. Um, I just really. Don't even want to spend much time on the games. I feel like that's just you just have to turn the page, focus on the Seton Hall game. It's a huge game coming forward. I did want to leave you with this question. I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, two-part question, two-part answer. What is the problem with Xavier I was right thinking now? Just, I was thinking just a one, one-part answer to okay. your two-part question. Okay, <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, what's the problem with Xavier? And then what would you change going forward? Uh, so for me, I mean, obviously, I think this is kind of an obvious answer. Um, and I wouldn't say it really showed in these last two games, um, especially on the Butler one, a little bit in the DePaul game, uh, especially on the but Butler one. Um, but I think it, it has continued to show in multiple games prior in this season. Um, slow starts, you know, and, and we've talked about this. The second war is huge. Um, I think they were a little bit better about that in the Butler game, a little more lackadaisical about it in the DePaul game. Um, and, and, like, we we talked about this, I think, after the game, or I don't know if it was you and I or, or me and someone else, but... I was talking to someone after the game Wednesday, and and while we didn't create a huge lead against Butler in that second war, guys were diving on the floor. I remember Kunkel jumped out of bounds and threw it off a Butler player at one point. Like there were just lots of big effort plays mm -hmm. in that in that four or five minute stretch there, which I appreciated because you know what? Like even if the ball's not going in the basket, at least you're going all out. Um, and I think in the second half there was a, a two two and a half minute stretch where DePaul went on a ten zero run and. Seeing that was a, a huge gut punch to be like, all right, like we had things, you know, not figured out, but semi under control, right. um, and, and to just implode like that um, and really swing the momentum back their way. And DePaul came in feeling like they deserved to be in our team because they probably should have beat us in Chicago, if I'm being honest. Um, we did not deserve that road win, and, and I'm glad that we got it and that Jack Nungie carrying us all the way there. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think that. Uh, I think DePaul came in with every every intention of winning that game. So, my point point being, um, I think just just having those lapses 
in in energy uh, for you know a couple minute spans or, or media to media spans I think is is what I would say is the biggest problem with Xavier right now I wouldn't say the scoring I'm not gonna sit here and bash on Nate Johnson Adam Kunkel shooting nothing like that while I do agree with the numbers and I do agree that you know obviously we you know we're undefeated when Nate shoots above 30% from three and and haven't won a game when he shoots below 30% from three I I've seen all those stats I get it I hear you um, but I'm not going to sit here and bash it on one thing or one player. We said at the beginning of the year we were going to be a live by the three, die by the three team. I get it, but I think effort more than anything is the is the big key here. I think that's what we're lacking in in some periods of the game. And, and to fix that, I would say, you know, I want to like I want to see Dwan Odom in the starting lineup. If I'm being honest, not not necessarily because Nate Johnson's shooting poorly, more because I think Dwan gives a heck of a lot of, a lot of effort on the defensive end, and I think that's what we need right now. We need a spark plug guy. Um, so even if he doesn't start, I want to see him on the court within the first three or four minutes um, prior to that second war just to get him really going. That would be my big thing. I think he's kind of a spark plug guy. I'd love to see him uh, more active on the defensive end or, and, and more, more involved. Yep. Uh, before we uh, you know, uh, let you guys get off and enjoy your Wednesday, I'm going to give my insight. Um, I think that our main problem is cohesion of play. I'm going to elaborate on that by saying that I feel like we kind of lose our identity of what um, what our main goal is. Mm-hmm. You know, at certain points in the game, I feel like we're playing very slow um, and kind of like sluggish. And then at other points, I feel like we're kind of like way too out of control and we're like forcing shots when we don't need to. Um, I feel like that our personnel, um, our plays, and um, you know, the, the lineups we put on the court are all set up to do so well that but like there's just very little cohesion from you know play to play war to war um and i think what that starts is is just a if we wanted to see uh, going forward more cohesion of play which i think is our key to becoming the dominant team that i think our potential is um we need to like when x player goes off the court or this player misses a shot or opposing player hits a shot, we can't just like spiral into a different type of like mindset. Um, I feel like way too many times we're just like trying to do one thing. I feel like we become very one track minded or we just become too out of control and we're trying to do too many things at once. I think we stay true to our identity of being a very defensive, uh, gritty team and just being the hard working offensive team, you know, cutting hard, getting our guys open. I think if we stay true to our, our identity, we'll be set up to do very well in the rest of the Big East and hopefully the NCAA tournament. In my opinion, and I'm going to be a little bit biased being a very strong Xavier fan, I think we have all the tools and um, uh, not, not, not personnel, uh, I guess game plan. I think all game plan and tools to succeed, it's just a matter of putting all the pieces together. But the problem is, is this isn't week two anymore. Right. We aren't preparing for Ohio State or a road trip to NIT anymore. I mean, we are in the thick last, of the Big East, yeah. last leg of the Big East and, you know, starting to plan the trip to Madison Square Garden. This is not the time to be putting the pieces together, but you can't implode. You, you see what you have. You've lost games. You've won games. You just got to turn the page and prepare for Seton Hall. This is a very important game. We were talking about this earlier. I think the UConn game is a must win. You yeah. need to defend home court one last time. And then I think that the Seton Hall game is just more of a let's get back in the groove. I think it's a very winnable game. But Seton Hall is a very tough team. I wouldn't, I wouldn't press the panic button if we lose, but I definitely think that we should win. If we can steal two wins this, this week against two very solid teams, I think we'll be set up for the rest of the year and towards the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I think it – I'm not going to say it gets easy because it's still the Big East, but – you get through these next two. You say you know you can get a steal a win on the road at Seton Hall, and then and then and then protect home court against UConn on Friday. Next week, St. John's at Seton Hall at home, um, and then we have to do have to go on the road still to UConn. That'll be a tough one. Um, but after that, we got to play Georgetown twice. Still, like things are starting to look up a little bit, um, and, and some must wins. And you saw in that second half against Creighton, you saw how quickly this team could put points on the board. This is a really really good team. When they put it all together, so I just I, I would I hope to see more of that um, coming down the stretch here, and I and I think they can do it. I really really do. 
Um, and I think we can hopefully flip that narrative on what a lot of Xavier fans have experienced these last few years of, oh, you know, here we go again. Here comes the Big East slump, and then they kind of fall apart and then don't make the tournament. I, that's not this team. This team won't do that, I don't think. Um, so I really hope to see uh, them look to figure it out here. All righty, so we were looking to get out of here in under an hour, but I have some breaking news for you, Graham, that this is really, I mean, this is really unfortunate to hear. Um, as we were just talking about San Francisco being a lock for the NCAA tournament, they just lost at home to the Portland Pilots, who are 12-12. and 12. Hmm. That is a killer quad four loss for the San Francisco Dons. Wow. So, I, I mean, I don't think it's they're completely out, but, man, they really got to put it together down the stretch here. Like, badly. That That's a... That's a bad loss. Very bad loss. And God, Santa Clara must have heard the news. They're I know they're up ten. Away. I know. I was just gonna say away. we might be getting a little, a little, uh, a little bid replacement here with Santa Clara up ten on St. Mary's. But anyways, we'll let you get out of here. It's twelve thirty local time. I'm exhausted. We started this on Tuesday, February eighth. It's now Wednesday, February 9th. I'll upload this tomorrow morning, and uh, hope you guys enjoy. Um, thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back again, of course, next week for episode fifteen, uh, the midway point of the second decade for us. Um, but again, Tuesday, February 8th, uploaded on Wednesday, February 9th, Norwood Noise Podcast, Evan Schibble, Graham Griffith, Graham Griffith from Cincinnati. Hope you all have a great night. Thanks so much for tuning in.